And welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and this is episode number 32 of the Imagineer Podcast. So since I started the Imagineer Podcast about a year and a half ago, I've received a number of questions in email and through direct message on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm so fortunate and happy to have built so many loving Disney friendships and that many of you trust me with a lot of these questions about either how to enhance your experience at Walt Disney World or Disneyland or perhaps ways that you can have a better trip with your kids or ways that you can enhance your first time visiting the Disneyland Resort, even some ways that you can make yourself a better applicant for the Disney College program and some of the reasons why you should consider taking on an internship or becoming a cast member in any other way for the Walt Disney Company. So in today's episode, I'm going to address a lot of those questions that you've sent in, and I'll bring on with me a special guest who also has been on the college program before. She's actually done the Disney College program a couple of times, and also who is a frequent visitor to Walt Disney World and to Disneyland. So again, we're going to read through some of those questions. I'll share some of the answers that we have for those questions. And I'll also say that this was a podcast recording that we did over Instagram Live. So again, if you don't follow me on Instagram already, please do head over to Imagine Your Podcast on Instagram and be sure to follow us there because you never know when an opportunity might arise to actually be a live part of one of these podcast recordings. And you'll hear throughout this podcast episode some of the ideas and questions that came in over Instagram Live while April and I were going through these questions one by one. I'll then come back at the end of the show, talk to you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all of our social media channels and perhaps even how you can send in some questions that we'll read on the air and answer on the air in a future episode of the show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer podcast. So since I started the Imagine Your Podcast, I have received a number of direct messages through Instagram, through Facebook, through email, asking about tips for vacationing to Walt Disney World, questions about resorts, about dining, about visiting the parks. And so I thought I would take this opportunity to address a lot of those questions and provide you with some answers. And hopefully those of you listening might learn something new. And I will also say that we are on Instagram Live, so we do have some folks watching from home. And I'll give a shout out to some folks as they provide their own answers to these questions. But more importantly, I have a guest on the podcast episode with me today who's a 
good friend of mine from way back in the day who whose name is April. Um, and April runs an Instagram page slash business called Imagination Destinations by April, but I will let her talk a little bit more about that. And I should probably formally introduce her. So welcome to the show, April. Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for agreeing to come on to the show. I know it's a little last minute. Uh, I asked you just That's this okay. morning, but I wanted to you're, you're one of the first people I thought of, not just because, you know, uh, you're a good friend of mine who also happens to love Disney, but you also did the Disney College program, and I have received some questions about the Disney College program, so I figured you'd be a good guest to have on the show. Well, I'm honored. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Um, and I'm definitely going to have uh, a chance at the end for you to plug a little bit more about uh, how... Folks can follow you and your Instagram page, which is awesome, and any other place that they should go to follow your accounts. But I want to start the episode by asking you some questions that I ask a lot of guests, which are about your Disney favorites. So to kick it off, I want to ask, what is your favorite Disney park? Okay, so this one's a little hard. Um, I have to say Magic Kingdom, just because... You know, Magic Kingdom, the castle, everything like that. Yeah. But Epcot also holds a very strong place in my heart. So. That's fair. And most people say Epcot. I'm happy you changed it to Magic Kingdom. <laughs> I, I, uh, I know that's one of your favorite parks just from, from knowing you for a while now. So I was actually expecting that to be your answer, which is good. <laughs> um, how about your favorite Disney attraction? Space Mountain, hands down. Magic Kingdom. No, Disney no, no. World. For, for those listening or for those watching Instagram Live, April and I have this debate constantly. And please settle the debate if you're on Instagram Live and want to hear <laughs> which one you like more. If you're listening to the podcast, just reach out to me and let me know which Space Mountain is better, the one in Disneyland, California, or Magic Kingdom and Walt Disney World in Florida. I say Disneyland, California. April says it's Disney World. Disney World. We've we've literally had this debate for years, and it's we still are stick to our guns on on one way or another. So that's that's something for the the listeners and those watching to decide. I already have uh, oh, two for Magic Kingdom, April. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's possible there are just more watching who have been on the Florida version and not the California version. Um, oh, good, Karen, you say California, <laughs> but April, you're definitely winning. So let's. <laughs> Um, what about your favorite Disney movie? Okay, that one's also hard. I have two that I can't pick between. Okay. One of them is Finding Nemo. Good movie. Um, yeah, it's just a family movie. We always watch like Finding Nemo, Finding Dory together. So, and my second one is Cars. 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 That's such an underrated Pixar movie. I know. I love that's that. My favorite. I love that. That's your answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right, so let's do this. We have a ton of questions to get through, so yes. let's kick it off. And again, those watching on Instagram Live, if you have any, and we have answers, Lion King, Hercules, Beauty and the Beast, we've got all these 90s movies. Um, if you watching have any other suggestions to the answers to these questions, you'll be helping a lot of people out who have submitted these questions, so feel free to answer as we go along. But the first question comes from Dix Montgomery, who says, Hi, Matthew. My name is Julia, and I love your podcast and Instagram so much. First of all, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I was hoping that you can give me some tips. My family and I are going to Disney in November for my five-year-old cousin's birthday. He has never been to Walt Disney World. 
I wanted this trip to be extra special for him, so I'm asking for suggestions of rides or shows that he might love. Thank you for the time, Julia. So first of all, I hope um, this episode is going to be airing in November. So Julia, if you're listening, I hope this is before your trip and not after, but I'll make sure to respond to you one way or another so that you do have some answers to this. Um, but uh, I mean, April, what do you think for someone? She's she's going for the first time with her five-year-old cousin. So she does have a kid that's going with her. What would you suggest for ways that she can make that trip a little extra magical for her cousin's birthday? So I always suggest when there's a little kid and it's a first visit, it's, I always tell them to go to Magic Kingdom first, just because it is, you know, the castle and that's what a lot of people associate with Disney. So I would definitely say make Magic Kingdom your first stop, um, your first day of your trip. And also, if you have a five-year-old, I also think that um, the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train is great if you can get on it. Winnie the Pooh, Peter Pan, any of those smaller rides, it's a small world. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know the Fantasyland attractions are really the most popular to go after for kids, especially if you have a five-year-old. It's going to be you're probably not going to be tall enough to ride something like Space Mountain. Eventually, maybe when he's eight or nine, he'll probably be tall enough. But yeah, you're really limited to a lot of the Fantasyland attractions. I would definitely recommend, I agree with you, April. I mean, you got to do It's a Small World. Magic Kingdom is a great place to go to for kids in general. Um, I am seeing even an answer in here about two answers about character breakfasts. So okay. that's always a good way to go. And you have some great options for character breakfasts at the Magic Kingdom. You have Crystal Palace which is one that I suggest you go to. It's a great place for character breakfast. I always went there when I was a kid. You have the Winnie the Pooh characters, really great for five-year-olds. And I would also recommend going to Peter Pan's flight first, if you can. Yes. Because that line is guaranteed to be long all day. Um, that one or mine train. Or Mind Train, that's true. Yeah. I'm wondering if, I guess, have you seen many five-year-olds ride it? It depends on how tall they are. But yes, I have seen, I mean, the littler ones go on it. Yeah. And it's a great introductory roller coaster. Um, mm -hmm. You've also got Dumbo, and you do have the Barnstormer. That might also be a good roller coaster for you to check out yes. with a five-year-old. I remember riding that when I was really young. Uh, I have another couple of answers in here for the Country Bear Jamboree. Uh, there's just, there's a lot of attractions. I mean, would you say that there are other, Magic Kingdom is a great park to go to. Would you say that there are other parks to go to as well with the five-year-olds? I also suggest Hollywood Studios, especially since Toy Story Land has opened. Um, I mean, maybe not like Slinky Dog Dash or anything like that, but just even walking into Toy Story Land and seeing, you know, um, Woody or Buzz and just being immersed as a toy in like, a backyard. I think that's really cool for them too. Absolutely. Um, someone says on Instagram live dinosaur at animal kingdom. <laughs> I would not suggest that for a five-year-old, maybe for a 15 year old, but definitely not a five-year-old. So Julia, please don't take your, uh, your kid on dinosaur or your cousin on dinosaur at five years old. But also what's good about studios is they also have the Disney junior. So yeah, they can go into the Disney junior area and, you know, see the show, meet the characters. That's always a good thing as well. That's very true. Another tip I usually offer to those who are going with young kids is to take breaks. Yes. I think I think especially when you're an adult or a young adult, you're go, go, go. You're going to have to ride as many rides as possible. You're there from open to close. 
And one of two things are going to happen. Either your kids are going to get really cranky really fast um, or you're going to get really cranky really fast. So, you know, depending on if you are morning people or night people, I always recommend trying to take a break in the middle of the day, spend some time at back at the resorts, uh, give the kids a nap, uh, you know, maybe take some time to eat lunch at the resort rather than eating in the park. You do want to take that time to decompress, get a little bit of rest and relaxation. And it's not going to just be good for your young kids, but also for you personally, because um, you're going to need that energy back. And then maybe you head back around dinner time, maybe do dinner in the parks and do a few more rides and then check out the parade or the fireworks, depending on which park you're going to. So it could be a great way to, uh, to close out the end of the day. Yes. I was also going to say, if we were also saying some shows, Hollywood Studios is good because of Beauty and the Beast, Frozen, Little Mermaid, things like that too. So Absolutely. And we have a few more answers in here. Jeanette's got a shout out for Animal Kingdom, the street entertainment, the musicians. Those are really a lot of fun. And also Pandora, although the Obviously, five-year-olds not going to be able to ride Flight of Passage, but at least they'll have the chance to go on Navi River Journey. And you have the, as Jeanette says, the flowers, the animals, the scenery, all really good choices. So, and Finding Nemo the Musical. And Finding Nemo the Musical. That's right. That's a really great show for kids. Yes. Perfect. Well, Julia, hope that answers your question. Um, this next one, April, is going to be really good for us to answer uh, because we have both been on the Disney College program. So this comes from uh, Daniel Fitcher. I hope I'm pronouncing that last name correctly. He says, hey, Matt, I've been following your page for a few months now, and you're easily one of my favorite Disney pages out there. Thank you very much, Daniel. Um, from my understanding, you were a part of the college program at Disney, and I was hoping you could give me some insider perspective on it. I'm thinking about doing it next year, and I've never actually talked to anyone who has been in it. I'm hoping you would be able to answer a few of my questions to help make sure I absolutely want to apply for the program. Um, I can tell you without answering the questions, yes, you definitely want to apply for the program, Daniel. (laughs) Um, One, for starters, can you give me a rundown of the whole application process? Two, how much time do you work? Is it like five days or a certain amount of numbers per week? Three, and from what I understand, your housing is deducted from your paycheck automatically, or is it different? All right, so three questions. April, I think we can do these one by one. Um, but before we dive into that, Daniel, I will say uh, to definitely go to episode number eight of the Imagineer podcast because we talk all about internships at Disney. I had three friends with me on that podcast episode, all of whom did some combination of the Disney College program or the Disney Professional Internship Program, or both. So check that episode out, because you'll learn a lot. And we talk for about an hour or more about what it's like to be a cast member for Disney, to work on the Disney College Program, and to uh, what the day-to-day is kind of like and some of our, our favorite experiences. But, all right, so number one, for starters, going to give me a rundown of the whole application process. Uh, April, you're probably a better person to answer this than I am, only because I'll tell you what the application process was like when I applied back in 2007, um, so I had a, uh, a recruiter come to my campus and provide a presentation in person for the Disney College program, and then we were invited to sign up for interviews uh, that were happening that week. I believe my interview was the next day, and it was a group interview of three people um, who all interviewed with that recruiter who presented to us. And then we found out after that, we got a letter in the mail like two weeks later, if we got accepted to the program, 
I did get accepted, of course, and thankfully, um, I say of course only because I said it was on the college program. <laughs> um, so I was happy that I did get accepted. And from there, I remember we had to fill out some paperwork, submit it in ahead of time, and then bring some paperwork down with me. I remember I had to bring like a, uh, I had to bring, of course, my ID, I had to bring my social security card. Um, and then when, we, when you get down to Disney, there's a check-in process uh, that happens at housing. And then you have traditions, you have your first day uh, where you're going to be working, um, you usually have a week of training. And I also, I didn't know where I was going to be working. I knew I was accepted to attractions, but I, I didn't know where I was going to be working specifically until I arrived at Disney. Um, the Disney professional internship was a little different, but uh, April, was your experience different than that? So I imagine it was because you did it a few years later. Yes, very. Um, <laughs> So the, I have the old way. Same thing. Yes. The same thing was checking in traditions, training, all that stuff, not knowing where exactly I was until day of getting there um, or traditions. The process was completely different for me. I actually found it online and I went to the Disney college program.com and submitted an application there. The first application was just making sure that I actually was enrolled in college. Um, so that was my first process. Then I waited for an email to get an online-based interview, which was a timed interview where we had to answer questions in a timely manner. I think we got 20 seconds per question. Um, basically, like, strongly disagree, strongly agree, neutral, anywhere in between there. So we had that process. Um, and then after that one, if you passed that, you got an email to schedule a phone interview and then you had your phone interview, and then after that, you either got you were accepted or denied. So it's amazing. I even see <laughs> guy who was in a previous podcast episode uh, says on Instagram Live, "It sounds like you had a lot more to do than I had to be hired." Yeah, there's uh, a <clears throat> between the Disney College program and the Disney professional internships, there's just a lot of hoops to jump through. But they want to make sure they have the top candidates working for them. Uh, if you are on Instagram Live, if you've done the Disney College program. Please let me know where you worked. If you want to do the Disney College program, what would be your dream place to work? Uh, just leave it in the comments right here. But that answers that first question, first question for Daniel. He also asked, how much time, I'm choking on myself, <laughs> how much time do you work? Is it like five days or a certain amount of numbers per week? Um, so for me, I worked at Animal Kingdom at Kilimanjaro Safaris. So my hours, especially back then, were restricted to sunrise to sunset. I did work five days a week. I know people that worked six days a week at the Magic Kingdom. Um, usually my hours a week were about 40 hours, sometimes 48, sometimes 35. It kind of varied, but it really is basically a full-time job. Um, April, was that about the same for you? I worked in so many different locations, so they were all different. Um, with recreation for the water parks, I basically worked... but depending four to five days a week. It was usually four days just because they have you there from open to close. Yeah. So we ended up going into overtime every day, but we had 40 hours a week, so that's what we could work. Um, at Epcot Parking, we worked five days a week and got between 32 to 40 hours a week. So Not bad. It just depended on where I was, yeah. <laughs> I see a couple people. And with children's activities, it was actually five days a week as well. That makes so. sense. Yeah, and I see a couple of people giving a shout-out to Kilimanjaro Safaris. Thank you. It was an awesome place to work. Um, 
And the third one's a really quick one. From what I understand, your housing is deducted from your paycheck automatically. The answer is yes. Uh, that is one thing that is deducted automatically from your paycheck, which makes life a lot easier. You don't have to pay a rent bill and worry about being late with your rent payment. It is deducted automatically. And because you are in the college program, it's not like paying rent anywhere else. Um, it is a very fair price for those who are uh, staying. And it is nice that you get to stay with basically people who are on the Disney College program. It's like staying in a dorm, um, but a much nicer dorm, <laughs> at least from what my experience was like. Awesome. So Daniel, hope that answers your question. The next one comes from Erica Daquin. hope I pronounced that right. Um, who says, it's a short one. Hi, Matt. Do you guys recommend a two-bedroom villa at Old Key West? It looks beautiful and spacious, but everyone I ask says the walk to and from the hotel is miserable. Um, I'm sure, uh, April, you can probably answer this very well, too. I'll say that I have stayed at Old Key West a couple of times. Um, if you watching have watched it, have stayed at uh, Old Key West, let me know. It is big, but I didn't find that it was oversized in the, in the sense that you couldn't manage getting from place to place. Um, so I, I didn't I wouldn't say it was miserable if you decided to walk. Um, but April, have you, have you ever stayed there before? I have not stayed there. I've stayed at Saratoga, which is just as big. Um, but they are both the first vacation club resorts. I actually have worked at Old Key West though. So I would say it's not that bad to get around. I mean, there are the buses that, you know, have stops while you go around. So you could always do that to get to the back to the front of the hotel, um, but it's also a beautiful resort, so I don't think walking through it really ever like occurred to me, just because I was looking at you know the Disney magic that was around me. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, Jeanette on Instagram says there's no such thing as a miserable walk in Walt Disney World, which agreed. I, <laughs> I think that's really easy to agree with there. <laughs> um, next one I think is going to be a quick one in April. I think I could probably. Uh, tackle this one pretty fast, but this comes from Ashley uh, Kame, uh, or Kam, I, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, but it comes from Ashley who says, hey Matt, I have a question. So I saw that you were once an Imagineer, um, and I have been planning on becoming one as well. I'm just curious, was there a specific degree you took in college to be one? Um, so Ashley, that is a very common misconception. I was not an Imagineer at any point, um, so I'll set the record straight there. I did work for Disney as a cast member but I uh, was never in the Imagineering department. Uh, I've studied Imagineering throughout my life, but can't say that I was ever behind those doors at Walt Disney Imagineering. What I will say is, by the time this episode airs, if you listen back to episode 31, um, I have an interview with an amazing cast member who is very close to Walt Disney Imagineering, who's Guy Spagnoli. So be sure to check that out. And I think you'll get a lot of answers to your questions there. But really when you're talking about Imagineering, you're talking a lot about the arts. So that's something to keep in mind. And there is engineering that you could take as well. You can become you can become a, ma- a mechanical, and engin- mechanical engineer. You can go to school for arts. You can go to school for a lot of different degrees that would apply. Um, and they also need people to write their stories. So you can even go to school for uh, as an English major and write the story that is behind a lot of what you see in uh, the Disney parks. But uh, that would be my recommendation is to check out uh, episode number 31. 
and to do the Disney College program and make sure to build relationships with as many folks in Imagineering as you can. Usually leaders at Disney are great at setting you up with meet and greets with the teams that you ultimately want to uh, to work in. So I uh, hope that answers your question, Ashley. But uh, April, this is a good one for us. And for those of you watching on Instagram Live, this will be a great question for you to answer as well. I'm really curious to get your thoughts on this one. So this comes from Laura7Isabel, who asks, Hi, Matt. I'm going to Disney World in December and want to get excited for the trip. What should I do to get in the mood? Laura, this is an amazing question because I struggle with this as well. Living in New York, I'm always thinking about ways that I can try to get excited for going to Walt Disney World, uh, especially when I'm not there. Um, April, do you have any suggestions for ways that you get excited when you're not at Disney and you have a Disney trip coming up? Well, I definitely know that putting my Disney stuff together and having a countdown totally helps, um, especially like getting out my ears or my T-shirts. I'm obsessed with Zoom Zooms and my Hidden Mickey book, all that stuff, kind of like getting it together so I'm seeing it constantly. I also love to go through Instagram and Facebook from like, I mean, for us, the alumni page for um, cast members and stuff like that. Um, but I also like to scroll through like Etsy shops too, because if I see something, I'm like, oh, that's cute. I can, you know, support a small business and get some cute Mickey ears that are completely different than anybody else's or even family shirts. If you guys are going as a group, you know, get together some shirts that you guys can all wear. And that would be really cute for photos and stuff. So that's how I do it. That's great. And you're right. There are so many Etsy shops out there, um, for sure. I love the idea of planning out your trip. That's a way that I get excited for it. So at that 60 day window, if you're staying on property to book those fast pass reservations, if you are, uh, at the 180 day window, making your reservations for dining, planning out what your day might look like. I think those are fun ways. I have a lot of good answers on Instagram live right now. Um, one is, uh, Mrs. Lamont says Pinterest, Cami1955 says playing music from the parks definitely helps. I do this all the time, whether or not I have a Disney trip coming up or not. Playing Disney music is amazing. And Lindsay uh, adds on top of that that Disney soundtracks on Spotify, hotel loops, ride, key music loops on YouTube. I am definitely on YouTube all the time looking at those uh, or listening to those music loops. Mad Chief says follow others on Instagram with their videos of being at the parks. Guy says knowing you're locked in for the trip. So that's definitely a way to get excited, just knowing that you are going. And definitely, oh, getting outfits ready for a possible Disney bound trip. Countdowns. Uh, go back and listen to some of the previous podcast episodes about dining and rides. Thank you, Lindsay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Jeanette did a shout, did a shout out that uh, if you follow in my uh, in our Facebook group, Imagine Your Podcast Disney Fan Community, I will... Uh, often just surprise uh, those of you in there with a Disney music loop of the day. So if you're interested in that, definitely check that out. And Jeanette also says looking at photos from past trips. So I think that covered a lot of what I was going to say as well. Definitely planning out your trip is a great way to get excited. April, I agree. If you go to Etsy shops or if you go to the official shop Disney website, pick out what merchandise you want to wear or or, or, or have with you when you go to the parks. That helps, a, a, helps out a lot. Look at the Showtime guides. Um, 
watch videos. I think all these things are great. Um, look at those photos from those past trips. Uh, definitely follow Instagram accounts that are Disney focused because uh, there's a lot of great photos that you can watch there or videos you can watch there. So again, and customize your magic bands. Yes. Customize your magic bands. That's an excellent point. Or even go beyond that and actually buy a, uh, buy yourself a, a custom magic band. I love, mm-hmm. I love getting magic bands. It's probably a bad habit. <laughs> <laughs> Can't have too many magic bands. No, not at all. All right. I did see, I forgot who you asked, but there's a great question on Instagram live. I want to tackle real fast, which asked, um, they're going to Disneyland for the first time. And, oh, Jeanette called Disney and get put on hold. I love that answer too. Get the background music. Um, <laughs> someone on Instagram live asked about a must do at Disneyland. I'm going to give you three must do's at Disneyland. I could give you 20, but I'll give you three. World of Color. Make sure to check that out. Definitely. Um, I'll say Pirates of the Caribbean over at Disneyland. If you've done the Magic Kingdom version, the one at Disneyland will blow your socks off. So Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, and I'm trying to really hard to decide on the third one. I was going to say Space Mountain, but I don't want to tease you, April. Uh, I was going to say Cars Land. <laughs> Cars Land. That's you know, an excellent. I'm obsessed with Cars. <laughs> yeah. No, that's an excellent answer, actually. Yeah, definitely Cars Land. So hopefully that answered. I forgot who asked the question on Instagram. I'd scroll back up, but... Those would be my must-dos at Disneyland. But let's go to the next question that comes in on uh, Facebook from Josh S., who wrote in. Hey, Matt. Been a long time. I should add that Josh is a longtime friend of mine from, like, ages ago. So this is why I said been, been a long time. But he says, hey, Matt. Been a long time. Hope all is going well for you. I saw you were at Disney World recently, um, which is an understatement. <laughs> my girlfriend and I are planning our first trip over there, which will be in early October. Uh, any tips, things you loved, or things you should avoid or not waste time on? We're super excited. Any thoughts would make for an even better trip? I will say, uh, I know, Josh, if you're listening, I know I shared with you individually one-on-one what my thoughts were. Um, April, just for your knowledge and for those of you who are watching, Josh is an annual pass holder in Disneyland. He lives in Los Angeles, so he knows Disney very well, but he's never been to Walt Disney World. So he's going with his girlfriend. It's their first time over there. Um, I mean, April, what would you suggest? I know this is a real open-ended question, but do you have any tips for someone who's been to Disneyland but not been to Walt Disney World and, you know, for their first time going? So one of the biggest things I think difference-wise is the space. In California, you know, you could just walk right across and switch parks super easy. For somebody who's going the first time, I would say just take in each park individually. So not necessarily do a park hopper, but try to hit each park every day. So you don't have to be like, oh, I have to get to this park tonight. Just take in the one park as you go and try to hit as much in that park or even just, you know, walk around and see the parks individually. That's great advice. Yeah, it's it is. Um, it's not as easy to get from park to park when you're in Disney World. If uh, you're in Disneyland, you just walk. 200 feet and you're at California Adventure. Um, but uh, I do say, though, yeah, go the ahead. four-park challenge is a lot of fun. 
You know, I've done it so many times and it is a lot of fun, but I would also say, suggest, you know, seeing the parks individually as well. I think a four park challenge is great. If you've been to Walt Disney World many times, if you've not, I think it's a little unfair to do that to somebody because <laughs> you're not going <laughs> to get to experience fun. much. It's something to look forward to. Yes. Yes. If you, and so go the first time and then come back and, you know, do it again. <laughs> that's yeah, that's, that's, that's good for a second time trip. Um, I got some good answers on Instagram live before I get to my thoughts. So Avatar and Animal Kingdom, gotta do it. Good shoes and an umbrella. <laughs> That's uh, from whatever happens. Fifty. <laughs> totally agree. It rains a lot in Florida. Yes. Um, not so much in October, but definitely in uh, in the summer. Um, and uh, Cami nineteen fifty five says I'm from California, and I honestly didn't expect how bad the humidity would be. So stay hydrated. Um, so and don't yes. do Space Mountain. Cammy says, don't do Space Mountain in Michigan. <laughs> You're going to make April cry. I say do Space Mountain. It was the, it, you know, Space Mountain and Magic Kingdom was the original. So uh, definitely, uh, you know, got to gotta do Space Mountain. But I, I think, April, your advice is really excellent to do one park a day. The other thing I'd recommend for first timers going to Walt Disney World is to stay in Walt Disney World at a resort because it really does immerse you into the world of Disney. One of the differences with Disneyland is that it is in the middle of a city. So you can, you know, see South Harbor Boulevard from the Esplanade and it just has traffic and you see like the McDonald's across the street or the Denny's. Um, and it's, it's a little different than being in Walt Disney World and really being in the middle of a city and that city is Walt Disney World. It's not Anaheim. It's that city is Walt Disney World. So I would stay on property. I would, if you're flying there, take the Magical Express. Just totally enjoy everything. And be sure to check out all four parks um, and Disney and Springs. transportation is free. Transportation is free. So it's a really great benefit of being there. Ride the monorail. I know you've got a monorail at Disneyland, but the Walt Disney World monorail covers so many miles of track. And you can go to so many places. And the other thing I'd recommend is do resort hopping because I find that the resorts themselves are, you know, attractions in themselves. Uh, and each has a different theme. Just like you'd go to the Grand Californian and the Disneyland Hotel in Disneyland and they'd be different experiences. You know, go to the Polynesian, go to the Contemporary, go to the Grand Floridian, maybe go to Animal Kingdom Lodge or go Art to of animation. Art of Animation. That's another great one. Um there's so much that Walt Disney World offers outside of the parks, so definitely check that out. Ooh, greetings from Spain. Hey. <laughs> um, Jeanette agrees. Stay on the ground. Uh, stay on the grounds. And uh, oh, Chuck uh, Mar- Mararchi. I hope I pronounced that right. Said, if you want food and wine, then stay at an Epcot resort. I would absolutely. And he also says, if you want to maximize time and don't mind the cost, use minivans. Absolutely. And Zach Grimm advocates for Polynesian. I would also say do the things that are not in Disneyland. Yes. Like when I go to Disneyland, I automatically go to Cars Land because we don't have that mm-hmm. in Florida. So That's right. That's great advice as well. Awesome. Hope that helps, Josh. Uh, I also, this is a really loaded question. Um, this comes from Adam Moscal. Again, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It says, hey, Matt, I've been to Magic Kingdom countless times. I have never done the Enchanted Tiki Room. Is it worth it? Um, he has a second question, but I'm going to start with this one. Uh, yes, yes, yes. It's really easy to do the Enchanted Tiki Room. 
It is a seven-minute show. It is the first Disney attraction to have audio animatronics. It's classic. It's not going to be the e-ticket, you know, Expedition Everest, but it is a classic attraction. It's like going to Disney and not doing Peter Pan's Flight or not doing the Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean. Granted, those are, you know, a little more ride-based than show-based, but absolutely do Enchanted Tiki Room. And if you're at Disneyland, do the Enchanted Tiki Room as well. All right, so let's get to the second question. Also, I have a second question about Flight of Passage. I love questions about Flight of Passage. We have a character breakfast at uh, Revelo at the Four Seasons, uh, the day we do Animal Kingdom. If we don't get to the park until 9.15 a.m., would Flight of Passage have a huge line? We're going the week following Thanksgiving. I think if you're going to get there after 9.15, you can probably expect at least an hour wait. Um, April, would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. 100%. I mean, fortunately, the week following Thanksgiving, the crowds are not going to be too bad. So, Adam, it's going to be... However, go ahead. last year, I was there for Thanksgiving, and it was a lot more crowded than it normally has been in the past. Last Thanksgiving was very crowded. That's good to know. So, so I always used to tell people, oh, go around Thanksgiving. It's not that crowded. It was crowded. <laughs> so I'm just putting that out there. It is crowded. All right. Well, good to know. I think there's, you know, Disney has been getting more and more crowded during the off-peak seasons. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. But yeah, I, I would say, Adam, if, you know, do Flight of Passage one way or another, you can also do it last thing during the day and the line will have dipped a little bit. You can also do it during dinner. The line dips a little bit during dinner, um, during the peak dinner hour. Also, constantly look for fast passes on my Disney experience. Yes. Because every once in a while, they do pop up. Absolutely. Um, that's a good thing to look out for. Even day of, you might get lucky and get a flight of passage fast pass. But uh, if you're curious to hear the rope, what it's like to rope drop flight of passage, I did an episode about this as well. Uh, the second bonus episode that we did, uh, which was posted in... October. If you check that out, then you'll get to hear what it's like to wait in line. But yeah, I would say you're going to have a wait with Flight of Passage one way or another. If the line is under two hours, just do it. Um, if you can't get a fast pass for it, just do it. It is worth a two-hour wait, especially if you've never done it before. So, Jeanette, I hope you're still watching because this one's for you. Um, and I know I answered this one-on-one with you the other day, but I figured it's worth talking about with April, um, who is definitely an expert in the subject. So this comes from Jeanette SKO says, Hey Matt, mind if I bend your ear and ask for some Disney trip advice slash opinions. I want to bounce this off someone who really has their fingers on the right pulse. And that's definitely you and also April. So my idea is that maybe since 2019 is opening many things at Walt Disney world, we might take the year off. I know Star Wars will be plenty busy in 2020, but we go the first week of December, and that's maybe a couple of weeks after it opens. Plus, I want to take my dad there, and he will be north of 70, so I want it to not be the most insane it can be. I figure there's a year to take off. If there's a year to take off, it's this one. Sorry to be so long-winded. You weren't long-winded at all. Um, But I really have no one else to talk this sort of stuff around with, and it seems like something to figure out by early next year. Um, April, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, just saying it out, putting it out there that you can actually book your vacation three hundred. Uh, so excuse me, four hundred and ninety nine days to the last day of your trip. 
So if you really want to book early, you can book 499 days out. Um, I would say, yes, you can definitely take the year off. Um, there's so many new things that are coming in the next few years. And of course with spaceship earth now also closing, that's not going to be open then, but yeah, it's, it's constantly changing. So I feel if you take the year off and, you know, kind of let the dust settle on star Wars and things like that, that would be good. But we have no idea also what's going to be happening in 2020. Like what else is going to be coming out and all that stuff too. So it, I guess you can do what you feel is best for your family. Also, like with your dad, you said this uh, 70 years, years old. That's also another reason maybe to push it back. But there's just so much changing in Disney constantly that it's sometimes hard to keep up with. And you'll also have so much more when you go back to the park. So it actually might be a more magical experience, too, because then you'll be able to hit things that you've never seen before as well. So, yeah, and I. You know, I also said the same thing. And if if you really do want to wait until Star Wars Land is a little more, uh, you know, not quite as crazy, because you're right, it will be especially crazy in the beginning. Then it might be worth waiting a little longer to do it. But that doesn't mean that you can also go in 2019 and do a trip that doesn't involve Star Wars Land. You can always go to another park. You can avoid Hollywood Studios, not that you want to, but you can make it a quick trip that you just go to the resorts and you uh you know maybe spend one day at magic kingdom there's definitely ways to go to walt disney world without having to do everything in the parks uh you can make it a a pool you know relaxed by the the pool kind of trip uh you can visit disney springs there's a lot of different things you can do you're very welcome Jeanette. um there so you can always do those things and every year that you go to disney there's going to be more opening up so 2019, yeah, you're going to have Galaxy's Edge opening in December and it's going to be really crowded. And then 2020, uh, and I'm trying to remember thought my head what's supposed to be scheduled to open. But then even in 2021 with Walt Disney World's 50th, there's going to be a lot that's opening. I anticipate with D23, they're going to be announcing some more things for 2020. I believe Ratatouille is opening up in 2020. Guardians uh, of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy is opening in 2020. Tron. Tron is opening up in 2020. <laughs> April's got the list in front of her. <laughs> no, <don't. laughs> then you're a lot better at memorizing stuff than I am. I'm trying to think. <laughs> um, I also, I, just because you you racked my brain, like you said, a beach uh, a beach day, a pool day. Like I'm thinking, you know, um, Yacht and Beach Club also is a really cool pool because if you stay yeah. there, it's a sand bottom pool. But you can also check out the mini golf courses all around Disney as well. Like there's one right outside of Blizzard Beach, Winter Summerland. Yep. That's always fun. Splitsville is always great, too, as a relaxed day. So you could do things that you don't normally do at Disney, too, in 2019. That's right. And I am looking up an answer. I'm trying to remember when Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is opening. Um, that's 2019. Yeah. So that's also supposed to open in 2019 as well. I'd imagine probably later in the year, definitely by December. So another thing to experience if it gets delayed for any reason 2020 might be the safe route to go but yeah you can absolutely uh there's a lot to do every time you go and you don't like i said you don't have to make it that park going experience especially with your dad if you don't want it to be super insane just make it a pool trip um or go to disney springs or you know make it a restaurant trip (laughs) you know there's uh and especially if you if you stay at like a deluxe hotel uh 
like stay at the Animal Kingdom Lodge and uh, enjoy the animals there. You can make it a really enjoyable trip without ever setting foot in a park. So things to keep in mind. Awesome. This uh, next question also comes from someone who is or was watching and I hope is still watching on Instagram Live, who is Lindsay T. Ewell, who says, Hey, Matt, can I pick your brain a tiny bit about Disneyland? I know very few people who have actually been out there. Where have you stayed when you went out there? I'm hoping we can use points and stay at the Grand Californian, but I can't book that until January. And then there's no guarantee anything will be available. So I wanted to book something now-ish so they had something, and then if I can use points, cancel and just do that. I would love to stay at one of the on-property hotels, but there's like a million good neighbor hotels for half the price. So Lindsay, I'll tell you, I've been to Disneyland about 10 times, and I have once stayed at the Disneyland Hotel, and then every other time I've stayed at a good neighbor hotel. Here's why I do it. This is just coming from me as traveling all the way from the East Coast. Airfare is expensive enough to get to Los Angeles, and it's a lot more expensive than going to Orlando. So the way that I can save money is by, you know, and the park tickets are going to cost a little less than uh, going to Walt Disney World, but I try to save a little bit of money by staying in a resort that is a good neighbor hotel because all of the resorts at Disneyland are deluxe, or I even say deluxe premium because the cheapest hotel is Paradise Pier, and that hotel, you know, is a solid 250 300 a night to start in an off-peak time. It's a very expensive place to stay because you really are, um, you know, limited with the options that you have available, and there's a lot of people that go to Disneyland. So if you want to stay at the Grand Californian, if you can use points, that's amazing. It does book up really fast, especially, I think it, from what I've heard, if you stay at the Grand Californian or if you have a Disney Vacation Club at the Grand Californian, I mean, that's probably going to be the only people that really have uh, the ability to stay there on points. But uh, you can always book rack rate. Uh, so the other reason I like to stay at the Good Neighbor Hotels is because they are very close to Disneyland. Um, they, I actually stay at a hotel that is right at the entrance to the Esplanade, and it is a closer walk than the Disneyland Hotel. So that's what I say. Um, but there's nothing like staying on Disney property. You know, if you stay at a Disneyland resort, you do get the uh, extra magic hours. Uh, you do have the ability, again, you're immersed in the magic. Everyone working at the resorts are cast members. So you have the cast member level of, of ex excellence and experience. So those are things to keep in mind. Um, April, have you, have you done any uh, trips to Disneyland or have you given anyone advice when it comes to staying either on property or off property? I have done a few trips to Disneyland. Um, I haven't stayed in a room at the Disneyland Hotel, um, but I've been like throughout the lobby and stuff. And I just think it's it's fun to, because you know, like Walt made the first part there. It's just fun to see like the history too of about it. I've also walked through a bunch of the hotels just to see them. Um, I have stayed at Paradise Pier which I thought was amazing because the view in our room, I could literally watch California screaming. It was amazing. Um, so I think if it's something that you want to do, like Matt said, do it one time, you know, get your fix of it. And then good neighboring hotels are also a great way to go as well. Um, and especially since a lot of them do still have deals with Disneyland and there's only three hotels there too. So it's, it's, I guess, a shot in the dark sometimes, too, because um, I'll look up, like, 
prices for it. And sometimes they're way up there, but there are other times off peak that it's a little bit lower. Um, but if you want to do it, I say just bite the bullet, do it once. And then you can also stay at the good neighboring hotels as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely good advice. Um, the other thing I'll recommend is to make sure you're spending enough time at Disneyland's. Uh, definitely give yourself two days. I have done it in a day. It's very quick pace and you need to know what you're doing if you want to get everything done in a day at Disneyland. And now, especially with the parks being as crowded as they are these days, uh, it's easily a two plus day experience. So spend a whole day at California Adventure. If you do have time in the middle of the day, feel like you can step away, then go to Disneyland and do a few attractions. It's right you know, literally a three minute walk from one park entrance to the other. Uh, you can run it in a minute. Uh, and then the next day, spend the whole day at Disneyland, check out both nighttime shows. It's really a place to explore and, uh, it's where Walt walked. So that's also what I'd recommend, but good question. And we have someone who's watching from Disneyland and Instagram live. So hello to you. Um, in California, you got the, Lindsay got the five day ticket. You're set. You're going to have, you're going to ride everything five, six, seven times. Yes. So you're good to go. Um, go to Cars Land early. That's what I'd also say. California Adventure Day. Go to Cars Land first thing and get to Radiator Springs Racers. Um, the Disneyland Day. I also say. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go to Cars Land when it's dusk too, when they turn the lights on. Yes. That's Cars a really Land. cool experience as well. It's a good point, April. So go there twice. It's definitely worth it. <laughs> And Olivia says use MaxPass, which I also agree. Take advantage of MaxPass if you can. That'll save you a lot of time. All right. Got a couple more questions to get through. And I think we might have some time if anyone on Instagram Live has any questions. And I have some backup questions in here as well that have come from some listeners uh, on a question sticker I posted yesterday. So this is coming from um, Eshub1231. It's always hard to pronounce Instagram handles. Who says, hello, Matt. I'm going to Disney World for the Wine and Dine Run. Can you suggest a restaurant for the night before our race? Nothing crazy expensive, but something nice for a couple of new parents. Um, so this is something that uh, the Wine and Dine is November 1st to 4th. This episode is going to be live after that. So I did respond personally to uh, Eshab1231, but thought it was a great question to discuss on the air of the show. So if anyone's watching has done the Wine and Dine run, if you have any good ideas for restaurants to do the night before, I'd imagine you don't want to pick a restaurant that's going to fill you up too much uh, because you have to be up super early the next morning and get ready to run. Um, but April, what are some of your initial thoughts for restaurants to maybe try out the night before uh, a marathon? I've been racking my brain for this. Um, <laughs> I feel like there might be some in Disney Springs, but also what's coming to me is in the contemporary, the wave the way it is it is all american but i'm pretty sure there are some good salads there too if you want something lighter um it's amazing food if you've never been to the wave go check it out um but that's the one that's really like sticking in my brain right now i think it's a great answer definitely the wave is a, a way to go i'm also thinking you want to stay away from the parks and stick to the resorts so that's something to keep in mind um I do think the wave is a good one. I might also check out, I would avoid the buffets uh, just because you might uh, eat a little too much if you go to the all you care to eat places. Um, 
But yeah, any place with a good salad, there's definitely, like you said, April, a lot of places in Disney Springs to go to. So you can check out the Edison. You can check out um, Morimoto Asia. You can check out... Uh, Raglan Road is also fun. Raglan Road is a great one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely a lot of places to eat. But the rule of thumb is keep it light. You know, don't do all you care to eat. Any other time of the year, especially after the marathon, do all you care to eat. But night before marathon, I would probably avoid that. And maybe check out some place that's low key, like the Allen Compass over at the Yacht Club. Um, that's another place, great place to go. Uh, if you do want to do signature dining, you can always do that as well. Uh, you can always eat at like Gico or at the California Grill. There's all, always light options that are available there, and you still have a great dining experience. But also, depending on where you're staying, I would pick some place that's close to where you're staying um, because you want to. You don't want to be running around the night before the marathon. You do need to get back, get a good night's sleep. So those are all things to keep in mind. Awesome. Last question that was direct messaged to me on Instagram slash Facebook slash email comes from Gianna Jenin. I think that's how you pronounce the last name, who says, Hi, Matt. I have a photo pass, which I think she means memory maker, um, and we'll be staying at the Yacht Club next week. I ordered a memory maker as I will be traveling alone with my two kids and was hoping to be in the photos with them. I assumed there would be photographers at the hotel, but I'm learning that is not necessarily the case. I was hoping to get a couple of photos of my kids with me outside of our hotel. Can we request to have a photo pass photographer do this for us? Thank you in advance. Um, so Gianna, I know I answered this uh, in a private message as well, but photo pass typically is not available at the resorts. So the best thing you can do is to call them. The number to call them, uh, you can go to their website. Disney Photo Pass has their own website. They also have an Instagram, uh, an official Instagram, so you can always message them there. But you can also call 407-560-4300, which is the number for Disney Photo Pass. Always worth asking because, especially if you're going alone with your two kids, you're right. It's it's not easy to get in all the pictures with them. One thing you can always do is ask guests who are there or cast members who are working at the resorts to take photos for you with your with your phone or your own camera. I know it's not the same as PhotoPass quality, but if you really really do want PhotoPass at the resort to take a photo with you and your kids. If you call them, I'm sure they will be able to arrange something with you. Just got to let them know the details. And Disney is always great about accommodating you, uh, you know, with, with your needs and your requests. So um, I think that would be how I would answer it. April, would you, would you have any other suggestions? No, that's exactly what I would say. <laughs> Nailed it. First shot. <laughs> awesome. Um, all right, so I got a couple of questions on Instagram Live. Um, if you are watching Instagram Live, by the way, once we're done with this episode, I'm going to stay tuned and we'll chat a little bit more about Disney. So we'll have like a one-on-one conversation here. But here are some like quick lightning round questions. I'll go through maybe five or six. Uh, first one comes from Ian937. I love this question. How much money is enough to spend on souvenirs, gifts, and memories? April? There's never enough money. Um, it really depends on like what you're going for and yeah. who you're getting for, or if even if you're getting it for yourself. Um, I always, before I go, I budget out stuff that I, I mean, I look at like Disney park blogs and I'm like, Ooh, I want that. I want to go see it though in the store. Yep. Um, there's also always going to be something that you see and you're like, I have to have that. So uh, 
I probably budget between a hundred and two hundred dollars worth of, you know, out um, that I have to use and stuff, um, specifically on merchandise or things like that. So, but I'm always I'm always looking at like the Pandora charms or things like that too that um, I can wear while I'm also home that are a subtle hint of Disney. Yeah. So that's what I do, but. Yeah, I, I think it's a really difficult question to answer, right? I mean, there is how much money is enough. It de- like April said, it depends on what you want to get. I, I honestly don't have enough money in my wallet to get everything that I want to get from Disney. So I always have to hold myself back and think, do I really want this um, or do I really need this? And where else can I spend? Uh, if I had all the money in the world, then Disney would be empty because I would have purchased <laughs> everything. But... Um, I mean, Lindsay says, uh, I buy a Disney gift card every paycheck and use it towards that so it doesn't hit the pocket too hard at the end of a trip. Lindsay, I love that. That is an excellent way to budget yourself. Um, Take a little bit out of your paycheck, put it onto a Disney gift card, and then that's your spending money. Use a Disney Visa card as well, Disney Visa credit card, because you will get points for that too. Yep, that's exactly what I do as well. Uh, you know, I definitely having a Disney visa helps a lot when it comes to earning rewards and then all that money, you know, I I pay the bills on the Disney visa and then I have all this Disney rewards money to use. So April, that's a really great point as well. Um, but yeah, the limit doesn't exist. It all is personal and depends on what you want to get. Um, so I have one on Instagram live, which is a great question. Um, this comes from Ansley.Faith06, who says, I have a question. Me and my parents are planning a trip to Disney in December. How exciting. That's just two months away, a month and a half. Um, what would be the best resort to stay at? We stayed at Pop Century in September. I stayed at Pop Century in September. wonder if I saw you there. I think it depends on what your budget is. There's a great episode. If you want a really long-winded answer, uh, go to episode 26 of the Imaginator podcast. Katie and I talk about the best resorts at Walt Disney World and kind of out, weigh out each resort category and the best resorts for you know one thing or another. But April, do you have a go-to resort at Disney? No, I just I honestly I sometimes check the price and go from there. Or if I'm really wanting to stay at one, I just go to that. However. If you guys are going into December, there's also a lot of good deals that Disney has out right now, like the Gift of Magic package and things like that. So um, just knowing from booking people's vacations and things like that, it just it depends on the resorts. Like some of the deluxe or the moderate resorts are actually cheaper than the value resorts right now. Yeah, that's that's always a good thing to keep in mind. So like April said, there's definitely um, there's always deals going on at Disney. So be sure to check that out. Um, Jeanette says Animal Kingdom Lodge and Grand Floridian are the prettiest at the holidays. So I agree. Great places because you are going during the holidays. So you'll always want to check that out. Um, I love the Animal Kingdom Lodge. That's my personal favorite, but it's really subjective. So it depends on what your interests are. Every resort at Disney is amazing. So it just depends on Again, your budget, the experience you want to have, if, which park you want to be the closest to. Uh, but yeah, I love the Animal Kingdom Lodge. I agree with Jeanette. Grand Floridian is, a, is amazing for the holidays. You have the gingerbread house right in the middle of the lobby. Um, if you want to stay... Contemporary too. Contemporary as well. If you want to be on the monorail loop, that's something to consider. Um, Instagram Live, I know that it's counting down that I have like a minute and 53 seconds left. But uh, once it cuts out... 
stick around because I'll come back on in a little bit, like five minutes, and we'll we'll chat some more uh, outside the podcast episode. So, but feel free to continue the dialogue as we have a minute and a half left on Instagram Live. Uh, this is a good one for you, April, because April counts down Christmas like a year in advance. Um, Amy Liana asks, "What are some tips for going at Christmas?" Okay, well, first of all, it's sixty-one days away. Uh, <laughs> See, she knows exactly um, how many days away. I would say plan, definitely plan, and do not try to park hop if it is within like the week of Christmas or New Year's. Um, I've been there during New Year's, and you get in the park and they close out right away. Yeah. So basically, plan to be in one park per day because you might decide to try to park hop and then you might not be able to get into another park. Right. So that's one. Um, two, you never know the weather in Florida. I was there last January and it dropped to 28 degrees. So you never know if it's going to be hot or cold during the Christmas time either. So always be prepared because you are not going to be able to go back to your resort, you know, if park is at capacity. Yep. Um, so then you could also, you know, buy a sweatshirt there, things like that. But Make sure you bring bundles. Um, And just be prepared for the lines to be longer everywhere. Food, merchandise, rides, you know, shows. It's going to be a lot more crowded. So just be prepared for it. But remember, it's Disney and it's still magical. So That's very true. Um, Instagram Live, I've got five seconds left. But like I said, stick around. I'll be back live in just a few minutes. So I'll see you then. Um, But uh, April, so... I think those are all great answers, and uh, I agree. I mean, definitely expect crowds because it's going to be crowded no matter how you slice it or dice it uh, that week. The parks are fortunately open the longest hours they can possibly be open. I mean, Magic Kingdom every day that week could be open from, you know, 8 a.m. to 12 12 a.m., and then there's extra magic hours in the morning from 7 to 8, and then extra magic hours in the evening from 12 to 3. And so, like, the only time there's nobody in the park is from literally 3 in the morning to 7 in the morning um, when the cast members are quickly cleaning everything up. But it is a magical time of year and a very busy time of year that week between Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. But if it's your first time doing it, um, like April said, Go in expecting crowds, but do not let that dampen your experience. Um, just do as also, much as possibly can. Also, um, just I've worked children's activities at the hotels too, and there's tons and tons of things that they do during the holiday season as well for those guests that don't want to venture out to the parks. And you know, a lot of people want to, but if you also decide, okay, I need a break from this a little bit, there are always activities at your hotels as well. Yes, that's very true. Um, that's a great point to make as well. So we, like, like we even talked about earlier, you can always make it a resort uh, experience rather than a, uh, a park trip. So something to keep in mind. Um, all right. So we talked about there's a few other questions that kind of repeat themselves here. The last question, let's go over April, is um, this one from Malibu Shoe. It's an awesome name. Uh, who asks, what's truly the best way to utilize fast passes and when's the best time to hit up rides? Because I think this is a really important question and one we haven't really covered yet today, but there's a lot of different ways to answer this one. So April, what's sort of your suggestion for fast passes and, and hitting up the attractions? So if you are staying at a hotel, a Disney hotel, make sure that you get your fast passes 60 days out. 
If not, if you just have, you know, an annual pass or something, just tickets 30 days out, make sure you get them as early in the morning as you possibly can. Then what I do is I'll always use my first fast pass. Let's say I have like an 8 a.m. fast pass. I'll go into my next fast pass to see if somebody's dropped a fast pass to actually move my time earlier for my second one or my third one. So I, I've done it before where I've been able to move my times like right after each other. And then after you use those three fast passes, you can always grab another fast pass. So I've been able to get 10 fast passes in a day by doing this. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of tricks to it. So if you are constantly on your My Disney experience and you're on top of it, you can grab a lot of fast passes. So that's a tip. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it depends on the time of year you go as well. Like if you're going in the beginning of January or the beginning of February, it's going to be a lot easier to get fast passes than Christmas time. Very true. Um, I think I need to do more trips with you if you can manage to get 10 <laughs> fast passes in a day. Uh <laughs> Um, I would also, I mean, I would definitely, April definitely seems to be the master with fast passes right now, but, uh, the only thing I would add is to, of course, prioritize the fast, the attractions that you want to do. People always say there's a, there's a best attraction to get a a fast pass for. And sure, if you want to do flight of passage, you should probably try to get a a fast pass for flight of passage because the waits are going to be long, but also remember what the attractions that are most important to you are going to be. So sure, not everybody is necessarily going to want to do the Haunted Mansion, but if that's a really important attraction to you and you would prioritize that over Space Mountain or Splash Mountain, there is a definitely a strategy. And I would say that if you also want to do those, maybe you want to prioritize you know, Splash Mountain over Pirates of the Caribbean or Haunted Mansion. But if Haunted Mansion is something you really want to do and you have a ritual that it's at you know, two o'clock after lunch, the wait could be 70 minutes depending on the time of year. So maybe you grab a fast pass for Haunted Mansion at, at that time of day. But it, it all depends on what your personal preferences are. Um, but yes, there are obviously the attractions that are going to get the longest waits. Those are the ones that you're going to want to be at your, you know, phone on My Disney Experience or on the website on the My Disney Experience website 60 days before your trip if you're staying on property. 30 days out if you're not staying on property, 7 in the morning Eastern time, trying to get those attractions before everybody else grabs their hands on them. So Yes. Also, I can say that uh, nobody hate me for this, but I'm not the biggest fan of Flight of Passage just because I get very motion sick. Um, However, I have done it where I prioritize like Everest or something like that, and I've gone to Flight of Passage first, been able to ride it, and then go to Everest. So if you do intend on being there for extra magic hours or at park opening, sometimes those bigger attractions you don't need a fast pass for. So just plan ahead to know that you're going to go to that first and then utilize your fast passes. Yes, very true. I, I agree with that, April. I don't agree about Flight of Passage because I get motion sickness on it too. I still ride it. Um, it's like the only attraction that I ever do that. Uh and also because it's not doesn't make me deathly ill, just a little queasy. Um, but um, anyway, I'll, that's totally diverting there. But yeah, I, you know, there's, I've never been able to get a fast pass on my trips for Flight of Passage, so I always just make sure to go there first, like April said, and uh, you know, pick the the second most important or third most important uh, on your list to prioritize those, and maybe make that your 9 a.m. or 9:30 a.m. fast pass. So. 
Excellent, excellent points. Well, there's about like 10 other questions I haven't gotten to, but I also don't want to make this episode too long. And I also want to leave a cliffhanger for those who, uh, questions I wasn't able to get to. I promise I will get to them in a future episode and also give some other people the opportunity to send in their questions. So um, I'll leave some some ways to reach out to me in the show notes and then I'll, I'll also share some more ways at the end. Um, but quickly, just make sure you know you can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Imagine Your Podcast with those questions or send me an email at imagineyourpodcast at gmail.com. But uh, more importantly, um, I want to give uh, April a chance to mention where you can also follow all of her pages. So April, if anyone, because you've obviously shared a lot of great advice and I know people might want to reach out to you with any questions they might have about vacationing. So where can folks go to reach you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Imagination Destinations by April. So both Facebook and Instagram, I'm on there. We also have a web page, Imagination Destinations. And uh, you can find me on there too if you go under like Meet Our Team. So April Beiser. Awesome. So I'll put all those pages in the show notes uh, so you can find April if you have any questions. But uh, April, thank you so, so much for coming on to the podcast and uh, lending your expertise because this would be too boring by myself. So thanks for helping me out. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Of course. And with that, we close out episode 32 of the Imagineer podcast. I want to give a special thanks and shout out again to April for lending her expertise and ideas to all of these questions that we received. So thank you so much, April. As April mentioned earlier, you can follow her on Instagram and Facebook at Imagination Destinations by April. I, I will be sure to put those in the show notes for you so you can easily click on over there and be sure to follow her on those pages. So again, thank you so much to April. And also thanks to all of you who were live with us on Instagram Live during this podcast recording, lending your ideas, your opinions, your expertise to some of these questions as well. I really do appreciate you taking the time and lending your experience and expertise to a lot of these questions that were sent in. As a reminder, you can, of course, follow us on Instagram if you would like to have the opportunity to perhaps be a participant in a future Instagram Live podcast recording. You can follow us at Imagine Your Podcast. While you're doing that on Instagram, be sure to head over to Facebook and like us at Imagine Your Podcast there and join our closed Facebook group, which I know Jeanette talked about a little bit earlier in the podcast recording. You might have heard her mention some of the music loops that I'll occasionally drop in there. So if you're looking to connect with other Disney friends and fans and those who listen to the Imagineer podcast, head over to our Facebook group, which is the Imagineer podcast Disney fan community. And if you're on Twitter, you can also follow us there at Imagineer Audio. Lastly, if you ever do have any questions that you would like me to address on a future episode of the show, either about enhancing your experience, visiting Walt Disney World or Disneyland, perhaps even the Disney Cruise Line or the international parks, or if you have questions about becoming a cast member for the Walt Disney Company or any other questions you might want to send in that are Disney related, you can either email them to imagineerpodcast at gmail.com or send me a direct message on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, either one of those places, whatever works best for you. And I would be happy to address those questions in a future listener feedback episode of this show. 
And of course, if you don't already subscribe to the Imagineer podcast, well, I would love for you to do so, especially if you love this show. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. There are so many places. So no matter what your preferred podcast channel is, you can follow us on all of those channels and be sure to subscribe to the Imagineer podcast to be the first to know when a new episode like this one drops. And if you haven't yet taken the opportunity to rate and review our show, it does so much to help our podcast to grow. And I want to give a special thanks out to Chad Sylvester, who left us a five-star review on Facebook. Chad says, I grew up in Florida and was able to go several times as a child and teenager. Now I live out of state and visit every few years. The Imagineer podcast allows me to learn hidden secrets, making some of the slower rides more fun and stay up to date with the Walt Disney World Parks. It's my favorite Disney podcast. Chad, thank you so much for leaving that five-star review on Facebook. And those of you listening out there, you can either leave us a rating and a review on Facebook or on iTunes. Again, does a lot to help us to grow our show. And the other thing that also helps our podcast to grow is to share out the podcast, whether you share out your favorite episode, if this episode you absolutely loved, uh, be sure to share out this episode or any other podcast episode that you love, or even just the podcast as a whole. Every single share does a huge uh, effort to help us to grow our podcast. And thanks to all of you who are out there with every podcast episode sharing it out. I do see you out there and I appreciate you so very much. The last thing I want to remind you, as always, is that I hope you're doing everything that you can out there to make your own dreams come true. We talked about some of the things that are amazing about being a cast member, but whether it's your dream to become a cast member for the Walt Disney Company or do anything else, do whatever you can to make those dreams come true. Take baby steps one at a time. Just start doing it today and you will live a much happier life. So I hope you're taking those efforts to accomplish your dreams. Remember, as always, that quote from Horizons, if you can dream it, you can do it. And we'll see you in a future episode of the Imagineer podcast. Summer hills and rainbows play a part. <laughs> a painter's brush, <laughs> a work of art. <laughs>